With its scenes of revolution and hymns to freedom, Rossini's final opera fell victim to the censors at its 1833 premiere. The dramatic history behind Rossini's Guillaume Tell on this episode of the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast. The Metropolitan Opera Guild is dedicated to enriching people's lives through an awareness and deeper appreciation of opera. Our podcast features lectures and events presented by the Guild in support of performances at the Metropolitan Opera. To learn more, visit metguild.org. I'm Kyle Homewood. Best known today for its rousing overture, Guillaume Tell is making its first Met appearance in over 80 years. The Met's new production, led by principal conductor Fabio Luisi, features an all-star cast including Marina Rebecca, Brian Emel, and Gerald Finley in the title role of William Tell. Here is composer, conductor, and lecturer Victoria Bond discussing this monumental and frequently overlooked work the crowning achievement of Rossini's operatic career. Thank you so much. Um, the uh, story of uh, William Tell is very interesting because it's actually based on a legend. We don't know if William Tell was actually a character, but the legend grew up around him. He was a freedom fighter. Um, Switzerland was occupied by the Habsburg Austrians at the time, and it was a country that really felt that it was under the yoke of a dominating power, and it needed somebody, a hero, to uh, liberate them, and William Tell was that person. Um, Schiller wrote a play called William Tell, and it was very famous, and it made the hero, William Tell, uh, known throughout the world. And uh, Rossini wrote this opera. He wrote it in 1828, when he was 36 years old, and the great mystery about this opera is that it was the last opera that he wrote. Now, that doesn't mean that he died the next year. He, as a matter of fact, he lived 40 more years. But he said that was it. Now, um, there are many theories as to why he quit writing opera. He did write other works. He wrote chamber works and choral works, but no more opera. And um, a number of, uh, of clues we have as to why this happened. One of them was because the style of opera was changing. It was getting larger. Meyerbeer um, was, uh, and Alevi were two of the composers whose works were becoming popular. And it was more about spectacle and, as Rossini put it, loud singing. Now, those of you who are familiar with uh, Rossini's <clears throat> 40 other operas, and among them are Tancredi, L'Italiana, in Algeri, Il Barbieri di Siviglia, La Cenerentola, La Donna del Lago, Semirabide, Il Viaggio a Rems, The Siege of Corinth, Le Conte al Ori. And that is just a partial list. So, I mean, 40 operas is a lot of operas to write. And of course, the most famous of which is The Barber of Seville. And as those of you who are familiar with this opera know, the specialty is light, high singing. So this was the style of singing that Rossini liked the most. And so when the style changed and it became louder and Rossini said coarser, um, it was something that was not to his taste. And he said, and I want to quote him directly, um, he said he found that the quality of singing in the late 1820s was not to his taste, too coarse, too heavy, and too loud. 
He was also disappointed in the audiences that craved greater and greater spectacle. There you have the reasons, he said, and there, was, there are also others why I judged that I had something better to do, which was to keep silent. So uh, it is our loss that he didn't write another opera, but it is our gain that he wrote this glorious opera. And the music to this, this opera is really a, a, a stretch from what Rossini had written before. I'm going to give you a bit of the plot as we go along, but I want to play some things for you. The overture is the most well-known portion of this opera. And uh, it starts with a solo cello. And I'd like you to remember that, because in the most important aria that William Tell sings, and of course we all know that he shoots an, uh, a, a, an apple off his uh, son's head, and at, in this aria where he tells his son to be still, it is a solo cello that plays. So he sets this up by this beautiful cello solo in the overture. You may notice that's rather high for a cello. It is a very high range. sets up um, a kind of a, a melancholy mood. And um, the hero of the story is, in the opening scene, rather melancholy. Everyone is celebrating. There are three weddings that um, are taking place. And the whole town is in a very festive mood. But Tell is really uh, melancholy because his country, Switzerland, is not free. It's under occupation. So the next thing that we, uh, important moment that we hear in the overture is called the Ronde de Vache, which is, you know, Switzerland being a country that is famous for its cows and its cheese and its chocolate, um, the cow is a very important animal to the Swiss. And this particular melody is one of those that the Swiss um, uh, cow herders would use to call their flocks. And it's very familiar probably to most of you. And this is, of course, the most familiar uh, moment of all of the uh, overture.
used, of course, for countless movies and cartoons and various things, but it's very catchy and, of course, made the overture vastly popular. So the thing to remember about the overture, first of all, that it is a complete piece of music in itself. Very often, overtures or preludes are just a short introduction to the opera, but this is a complete piece and is, of course, featured in many concert uh, performances. The opera opens up with some beautiful choral singing, but the, uh, I want to highlight uh, some of the arias for you and give you a little background of each of them and tell you something about each of the characters. Um, we know about William Tell. Um, he was a famous archer and also a famous boatsman, a steersman. Um, he also coached his son, Jemmy, um, to be a great archer as well. Um, his wife, Helviga, is in the opening scene, and uh, as is Arnold. Arnold is the tenor, the, another one of the principal roles, and his father is an elder in the town, and his father is asked to bless the young couples. There are three couples that have, uh, uh, are just being married, and he is to give them his blessing. But he looks at his son, Arnold, and he says, why aren't you married? You're of marriageable age, and uh, I'm, I'm ready. Of course, this is probably not an unfamiliar story to, to many people who uh, <laughs> are trying to encourage their children to get married. Um, but Arnold has a secret, and that is that he is in love with an Austrian. He had been employed in the Aust uh, with the Austrians, and he saved this Austrian princess from an avalanche, and he is in love with her. Her name is Matilda, and he can't tell anyone about this because the Austrians are the enemy. So um, the first um, selection that I want to play for you is actually a duet between Arnold and William Tell, um, in which Tell sees that he's going off and he says, listen, we need you. We need freedom fighters. What's your hesitation? Why don't you join our ranks? We want to fight against the Austrians. And Arnold is has an in interior monologue with himself where he says, how can I express myself? I'm in love with Matilda. How can I tell every anyone this? I, I, I'm torn. I'm torn between love for this woman and love for my country. One other thing I should tell you about this opera is that it has um, laid waste to many a tenor. Um, <laughs> It is, um, it is a graveyard for many tenors. Not tonight, of course. You're going to hear a great tenor tonight. Um, but it is, as you can hear, even from this opening aria, it is high. And it stays high. And it is extremely challenging and difficult, but very beautiful. So the first voice that you'll hear in the recording is the voice of Arnold, in which he is expressing his love for Matilda. And the second voice you'll hear is William Tell saying, we need you, we want you to, to join our ranks. Oh! 
And you can hear the tell that uh, Arnold, rather, goes back into this very longing aria um, section of the duet for, uh, for Matilda. I just thought you'd be interested in a couple of quotes. Beethoven met Rossini in 1822 and advised him to make more Barbieri's, make, write more music like Barber of Seville. Wagner visited Rossini in 1860 as he wanted to observe, quote, at close range, a composer who is able to separate himself from his genius as one removes a heavy burden without worrying more about his art than if he had never practiced it. I found that very interesting and very telling that Wagner would say that and, and uh, want to meet Rossini just because he could separate himself from his art. So um, the uh, opera is full of beautiful instrumental music, ballet music and instrumental music, and a lot of folk elements. So here is um, a, uh, an instrumental section that has a, a folk-like feeling to it. Now, this was written for the Paris audience, and the Parisians loved their ballet. So naturally, there's a great deal of dance music. And, and you can hear this music has a wonderful lilt and, and beat to it. Uh, the next piece is also an instrumental one that I wanted to share with you. And this is for the six, the six young people, the three couples. Again, something that has a lot, of, a lot of motion to it, a lot of rhythm, and also very much of a folk-like quality. Not typical Rossini. I think if somebody played this music for you, you might not, uh, might not associate it with Rossini. So the next, um, the next thing that we're going to listen to, uh, we have a video from the Met production, is um, Matilda's aria called Sombre Forêt, Somber Forests in which she is musing about her love for Arnold. There's a great deal of love between the two of them, but there is this impossible situation. She is Austrian and he is Swiss, and how is this going to come about? So she sings this very beautiful aria, Sombre 
forêt. So the next thing is a duet between um, Matilda and Arnold, in which there is um, uh, there is great consternation. She says, "You you have to come back. You have to fight for for the Austrians." And he is so in love with Matilda that he says, "Yes, I will become a hero. I will fight with the Austrians." And they have this this beautiful duet. Um, I'm going to. Uh, to go a little bit ahead of this because as, um, as Arnold finds out that his father has been taken a prisoner by the Austrians and killed, then uh, the next scene that we see is, um, is Arnold mourning the death of his father and saying, no, I can't possibly fight for the Austrians. I have to go back. I have to fight for the fatherland. My love is hopeless. There's just no way that we can get together. And um, I, I have to do this. So first, this is the duet between Arnold and Ma Matilda, tenor and soprano.
So the reason um, that um, Arnold's father is killed uh, takes place with the action in the in the first act. Um, what happens is that a, sh a shepherd comes stumbling into the uh, very festive uh, mood of the weddings, um, and he is being pursued by the Austrians. His daughter was going was being abducted by an Austrian soldier. So he did the only fatherly thing. He killed him with an axe. And uh, the soldier is now pursuing him. And he needs to get across the water in order to escape, in order to get away. And um, so he asks the boatman who's there, please take me on your boat across the, uh, across the water. And the boatman says, no, no, I, I, I won't do it. The, uh, the waves are too uh, heavy, and the, there's a storm coming. And no, I won't do it. And nobody will do it except William Tell. And as I said, in addition to being a great archer, he's also a, 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 a steersman, a boat steersman. So he takes um, the, uh, uh, the shepherd who is trying to escape from the Austrians away. The Austrian army comes in. They see that their, um, their victim has escaped. And uh, the older man, Arnold's father, um, tells everyone, don't say anything. You know, we have to. We have to all stick together. And so they take him into custody. And um, it is in custody in this second act now that Arnold learns that in custody he was killed by the Austrians. So here we have a great dramatic moment for the tenor to find out, um, just as he is about to pledge himself to the woman he loves and says, "Yes, I will go out and fight for glory," he finds out. His father has been killed, and all of a sudden he has a complete change of heart and says, no, I can't possibly do that. It's a very touching scene, and that's this next scene.
So, very touching moment, and we will hear Arnold's final four-act aria, Asile Hereditaire, where he goes back into his father's house and has this uh, uh, beautiful, his most famous aria, very touching aria. But before that, what would a Rossini opera be without vocal fireworks from the soprano? Those of you who know Barbara of Seville know Rosina is one of the great coloratura roles in the repertory. And uh, the role of Matilda also has some vocal fireworks. You heard a little bit in her first aria. But here's a cavatina and cabaletta, cavatina being the slow section, cabaletta being the fast section with the fireworks.
I thought you would enjoy that in particular. That is um, Montserrat Caballé, uh, great, one of the great uh, French singers of our generation, not our generation, of former generation. Um, so uh, also Matilda has a change of heart because she has been an Austrian and when she finds out about this, she is furious at her own people and uh, resolves to help um, Arnold and, uh, and stick with him. Um, the other character that I didn't mention is Gessler and he is the bad guy. He is the, uh, the head of the Austrian uh, army and he is a, a very cruel person and um, when he finds out um, that, uh, that William Tell is there, he wants to kill him. Um, but rather than killing him outright, what he decides to do, because he sees the love that William Tell has for his young son, Jemmy, um, he uh, devises this um, really cruel scheme where he puts an apple on Jemmy's head and uh, demands that William Tell shoot it off of his head or shoot the arrow into the apple with a crossbow. I should uh, back up a little bit and say that what Gessler did was he put his hat on, uh, on a, uh, a high place and he demanded that all of the Swiss bow down to his hat. So um, uh, William Tell being a very proud person, he refused to do that and as a result of that, um, Gessler gives him this punishment to shoot uh, the, uh, the apple off of his son's head. Now, you remember I mentioned in the beginning, in the overture, it starts with a cello solo, a very kind of mournful cello solo, very beautiful, that goes up into the high register. And I said that this pertains directly to this most important scene in the opera. And in this scene, there is, uh, the music gives you a subtext um, and that is the turmoil that is going on inside of William Tell. Tell tells his son, he says, Sois immobile, be, be still, be very quiet. And Tell's voice is very quiet because he has to calm his son down. But inside, he is just, he is just um, uh, violent emotions are going on. And the cello is what is portraying that. What music can do in this case is it can give you what he's saying and then what's also parallel, what's going on inside of him that he cannot say. So let's listen to these put together, um, the cello agitation and the very calm voice, this very important aria, Sois Immobile.
As I mentioned before, um, Arnold goes into the home of his father, who is now deceased, and has a moment where he says, this was, my, this was my home as a child, and now my father is gone. And it's one of the most, I think probably the most important tenor aria, and there are many in this opera, but the most important tenor aria in the whole opera. Very touching, very beautiful. And then his, his um, uh, resolve to avenge his father's murder. Uh, Rossini was writing for a lighter tenor voice, um, but it takes a rather heroic sound to bring this off. And so have a listen to this. This is really kind of the, the tenor vocal fireworks centerpiece of uh, the uh, Act Four aria. So this, this is not the vocal fireworks, when you get that from the CD. So let's hear a bit of the, uh, the glorious coloratura sung by Nikolai Geta. Mm -hmm. 
As you can hear, that is quite an aria. Uh, there, there are many reasons for this opera um, having a, a difficult history. Um, one of them is, of course, this tenor role, which is really, um, I won't say impossible, but certainly right up there with uh, some of the great tenor roles of the operatic repertory. That's one reason. The other reason is it's long. This is a long opera. There are it's almost, with intermission, almost five hours. Got to warn you ahead of time. <laughs> um, and it is also, it stretches uh, uh, Rossini's music. If you hear echoes of Verdi in this, it's absolutely true. He was moving into a new direction. Um, and the music is very, uh, very advanced and um, very timeless. Um, what happens in the action is that, uh, of course, um, Tell shoots the arrow. It does not hit his son. It hits right in the center of the apple. Um, and the Gessler, the, the evil Gessler, notices that there is another arrow in William Tell's quiver. And he says, what's that for? And Tell says, well, uh, that's for you, actually. <laughs> and so Gessler uh, has him hauled off is going to take him to the lake and uh, drown him in the lake. Um, but what happens is there's a, there's a storm. And as I mentioned, that William Tell is not only a great archer, he's a great um, oars, a steersman. And he is able to steer the boat towards the rocks. He jumps off. He pushes it back. Um, at any rate, he does finally defeat the enemy. And there is a happy ending. Now, part of the beauty of this opera is its relationship to nature, um, Switzerland being a country that is famous for its natural beauty. And as you saw in the, in the set, 
um, for this particular production, there are rocks. Um, there are kind of floating rocks um, where you see the reflection in the water. Um, there are all sorts of lighting effects where it gives you the impression of being out of doors. And the final scene is so beautiful, and I haven't played any sections with the chorus, so I wanted to take this opportunity for you to hear this very beautiful transcendent ending where uh, it's as though the sun breaks through the clouds and, uh, and the music just rises to uh, such a, a beautiful spiritual level.
what is the word that they sing at the end? Liberté, liberté. Um, this opera was very um, instrumental, very important during um, the, the Second World War, during um, many other periods when liberty was something that was uh, challenged, and it was really kind of a rallying cry. And so whether William Tell actually existed or not, it's wonderful that we have him as a legend, and he's extremely important uh, to the Swiss people, of course. Um, the crossbow is part of their heritage, and I think his picture is on uh, one, of, uh, one of their uh, bills and coins. So he is a great hero. And uh, you're in for a treat. I mean, this opera really has everything. It has beautiful choral singing. It has beautiful instrumental singing. It has great solo arias and duets. And uh, it is Rossini really at the height of his powers. So um, I think uh, I have to wrap it up now. But um, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. And I hope you enjoy the opera. Thank you so much. Victoria Bond speaking about Rossini's last opera, Guillaume Tell. The Met's final performance this season of Guillaume Tell will happen on November 12th. Be sure to follow both the Metropolitan Opera and the Metropolitan Opera Guild on your favorite social media platforms, as we're always posting new and exciting content. I'm Kyle Homewood. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast.